Welcome to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern, the show that helps you turn your printing company into a bionic business. Here is your host, Ross Edwards. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Inkspire podcast, where each week we cover at least one of the three strategies that will help you build a bionic business, technology, culture, and process. Each episode, I'm joined by a different guest to chat about their experience and insight into being bionic and leading the way in the ever-changing industry of print and packaging. Today, I'm really pleased to be joined by Brendan Perrin, General Manager of uh, IPIA and also the BAPC. And, uh, and the, the, the theme for today is talking about networking, community and all things around that. So, Brendan, thanks for joining us today. Absolute pleasure, Ross. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you again. Good to see you again. Now, obviously, we've known each other for a while. We've been members of the IPIA and, and attended lots of the uh, amazing events and initiatives that you do. But for the uh, for the benefit of, of everybody who's listening who maybe isn't aware of the IPIA or, or, or maybe needs a reminder, could you tell us a little bit about who, who the IPIA is and tell us a bit about yourself as well and also the APC? What's that about? Yeah, sure. So um, the IPA, uh, which stands for the Independent Print Industries Association, mm-hmm. um, was actually founded in the early 90s as the British Business Forms Association, when the mm-hmm. business forms market was enormous. It was almost a separate industry in, you know, in entirety. I suppose in the same way that, you know, the in-plant print market may be seen as a separate sector and they use the same suppliers, technology, paper and everything, but they were a separate sort of almost arcane sector of the industry with business forms because it requires such kind of specialist knowledge to do effectively in a scale but so that's that and that was an association really of at the time what you would have called print brokers um right and trade printers to create sort of standardized set of rules behavior and trading practices that you had to sign up to um to be a bbfa member and of course, they did a lot of other things like training and development and put on some industry events and so forth. But it, it was really initially just set out as a as a way to try and stop some of the wild, wild west activity in the market and provide a sort of safe harbor. But then really. So it was about putting standards, kind of trying to put standards in place, was it then as part of it? Well, what, what was starting to happen in the early 90s already was as the rise of um, the internet and digital communication really started to take off, the business forms market was already seeing contraction um, because alternative methods of payment, of receipts, Mm -hmm. et cetera, had started to take off um, as computing really took hold everywhere. So what was starting to happen was that some of the big brokerages were losing, were were sort of contracting or maybe having to reduce their numbers of overall staff. And of course, then independent, you get individuals who would break off of the really big brokerages houses, mm. start up on their own. Yeah. And that would start to cause a Wild West scenario where they were taking sensitive client information with them and mm-hmm. starting a race to the bottom. You know, right. that in the early 90s where's that phrase a race to the bottom in our industry at least came where price competition went nuts and you had sort of rogue elements just playing people off each other yeah um, you know and and then some of the some of the business trade form printers who were under pressure were starting to cut corners so you mm-hmm. had 
people being burnt on both sides. And the BBFA was really set up, as I said, as a safe harbor where not only could you create um, elements for networking and so forth, it really was signing up to the BBFA charter, um, right. saying, you know, we will be fair as a supplier and so forth. I mean, yeah. like any of the organizations that started up like that, you know, they had no teeth. There was no way really to enforce it other than through peer disapproval. Because mm-hmm. if you did, if you were sharp with someone, well, the message would get round that you were sharp and that you weren't, you know, playing fair. Yeah. So, but those were in the very early days. And then as as the years went on and we got to sort of the early 2000s, the business forms market had shrunk beyond all recognition. And so the council at the time formed, you know, rebranded and formed themselves as the Independent Print Industries Association and to expand the association back out into commercial print and to look way beyond its sector. Now, it's interesting that the remnants of the BBFA are still very much with us because the IPA has a really decent concentration of business forms printers still today, Um, Mm -hmm. sort of last islands that survived and are doing very well because there is still a, you know, that market reached its level. Yeah. Whether it's farmers markets or car mechanics or whatever, there's still a demand, albeit about 5% of what it was at its heyday. But yeah, so we still have those business forms printers and we still have today are called print management or actually Mm -hmm. are, as far as their customers are concerned, they're a marketing agency that just happens to specialize in print. So that's that's kind of how it's progressed uh, and changed over the years. And that's where the, the IPA came from. And today we really offer kind of three key things. One is that we negotiate on behalf of service providers for the membership so that yeah. we can get our overheads down. And that could be with legal, uh, legal advice, HR, VAT, logistics, credit checking, website design consultancy, you, you name it, everything okay. a small business need, health insurance needs to run. We've negotiated yeah. a significant discount. We pay a retainer to those providers so that members have them at free at the point of access. Okay. Um, that's great. So that's kind of one tier. Second tier is marketing our members, which, uh, you know, Tharston has been a, a recipient of that over the years, is that mm. we have a quarterly national magazine that goes out to overall four and a half thousand businesses per quarter across the print industry supply chain, but also importantly, print buyers. So a very significant part of that magazine goes out to creative agencies, design agencies, brand managers, schools, universities, because all of the key print buying sectors to educate them outside of our industry about about our sector to try and raise awareness and drive drive print volume. And we also have a very well-pronounced digital presence and social media presence. So any member of the IPA can send content, news, promotions through to us, and we will then promote it back out through all of those different channels. And then finally is our networking. So we have a series of networking events throughout the year, our big breakfast, networking lunch coming up on June 14th, our annual autumn conference and our end of year expo gala dinner awards and networking lunch. And that is the DNA of what came from the BBFA days is the networking, human to human interaction, creating relaxed, informal, happy environments that are still professional, where we can basically shake up a room of our supply chain and people get to meet different people. 
Um, so that's kind of the IPA in a nutshell. Right, well, so that was keeping you really busy, Brendan. Oh, yeah, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you? What's your background then, Brendan? So um, mine's a, a little bit convoluted, so yeah. I'll try, try and keep it uh, brief for you. But I actually randomly, you wouldn't know it from my accent or everything else, but my parents are English. Mum's from, from Yorkshire, dad's from London, but they moved out to Africa in the early 1970s. And I was actually born in a small African country called Eswatini, um, oh, right. which used to be called Swaziland um, until a few years ago. And was born and grew up there until I was 18. And as a result of that, I really developed a passion for photojournalism. And that's really what I wanted to do as a living. Went to university to do English and history, kind of tried to pursue that, but then came out the massive digital camera boom. And all of my skills to do with 35 millimeter film and developing and setting shots up just right were literally obliterated by the fact that you could have a digital camera, yeah. take 100 photos with 100 different settings on it and pull one great photo out of that. And yeah, it also massively reduced the the trades that you could go into with those skills. So every newspaper in the country used to have a star photographer and mm. then it moved to maybe the whole group of newspapers might have one or two photographers and journalists mm. would handed digital cameras. So I right. uh, was literally, I came out of a, a rather depressing um, meeting of the um, Photography Society where we just had a lecture from a global photographer who uh, said, just get out of this sector. You're not going to make any money at it. You'll, you know, if you want to be poor for the next 20 years, just go for it. But it's not, you will, it's going yeah. to be very difficult to make a living. That's probably sad, isn't it? That's, that's hard yeah. To hear. <laughs> and as I was walking out across the quad, I literally heard the editor of the student newspaper shout, can anyone take a photograph? So I spun around and ran back and stuck my hand up and ended up getting involved in the student newspaper. And as with anything, at you know, at those type of universities, I went to Edinburgh, you get involved in everything. So layup, design, mm. writing, the photos, and my first contact with the print industry came because we used to literally have a pile of floppy disks with uh, the, uh, the newspaper on it. And we'd walk those down to the printer. And I was yeah. absolutely bitten and astonished when I would go into the, when I went into the printer for the first time to see this mesmerizing group of machinery and technology mm. and, you know, arcane practices going on to produce our student newspaper. So I, uh, yeah, it still fascinates. It still fascinates me walking around a, a you know print factory shop floor every time when 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 I go and visit a business. I'm always keen to just have a a, a, a wander around in a nosy, and I think it's 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 still fascinating. Yeah, and you know it just it was just a real buzz to see mm. something that we created on a computer, yeah, turned into a real document, and how that happened. Mm. You know, and you've then got something tangible in your hand, and that was magic. You know. So I kind of fast forward, I, I ended up um, trying to find a different pathway because the journal, you know, after 2008, the journalism sector really fell apart, you know, thousands and thousands of unemployed journalists. So I did a postgrad in multimedia journalism and a big part of that was business to business journalism. So when I finished that postgrad, I was only looking for business to business journalism roles. And the first one I hit on was Link Publishing, which owns Print Monthly and Signlink magazines. Um, uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, slightly funny story in that I thought I was a reporter 
for the first sort of three days. I thought the job I'd applied for was to be a reporter on those magazines. And uh, after about three days, the previous editor was um, showing me how to lay up the magazine. And I said, oh, you know, is this in case the editor's sick or I needed a cover or something like that while you're training me to do this? And she turned around and went, what are you talking about? You're the editor. <laughs> Surprise. Surprise. And I was like, OK, how did that get missed? But here we go. So I ended up finding out I was the uh, initially the deputy editor of Print Monthly and the editor of SignLink and then became the editor of both and then mm. ended up being the managing editor of the publishing house we founded the print show in 2015 yeah the director of link exhibitions which owns the print show and did that up until january 2019 had a mm-hmm. brief spell at a scary marketing agency in between and then yeah ended up working uh for the ipa who were my biggest customer at the time yeah and uh yeah well it's so much things that you've done at the ipa as well since you've been there and I mean, one of the key things we wanted to talk about today, Brendan, was networking and and events and and connections, I think, and and the importance of that. It seems, you know, what what are your thoughts on on the importance of of networking? That's maybe a good place to start. Yeah, I mean, I think um, conversely, as the world has become more digital, Mm. we spend more of our time um communicating via email or various different types of messaging system as automation has become so much more advanced in terms of how a customer journey that interacts with us um can go through our businesses to buy a product without actually speaking to anyone now on one side that is incredible and it's fantastic and it's actually you know, technology such as the MIS systems that you produce, they've really enabled our business, our industry to remain relevant and to thrive because without them, we would not have been able to stay, keep up with the times and we wouldn't have been able to remain relevant. We have done, but a, a slightly sort of unintended consequence of that, which can actually be an opportunity, is that there's sometimes missed that that initial link between the business and the customer, for instance, can't just be ignored because, you know, Mm. in previous years, you would have been engaging with your customers because you had to. You had to take a phone call and speak to them to deal with an issue or an order or a product specification. There was more sort of human engagement and contact that sort of worked as a networking. Yeah. Businesses that employ automation very well ensure that actually that automation frees up their time and their team mm. time to spend more time on co- human connection, not less. But you have to proactively understand that. You you can't put in all the automation and go, great, we don't have to ever speak to our customers again. No, yeah. you've actually do the opposite. Take the opportunity and the advantage of having all your team time freed up from doing automated manual tasks and touch yeah. points and use it to grow your business. And we saw that also as the industry has developed and changed over the years we used to have major set piece events for instance like ipex mm-hmm. you know, at, at one time was was comparable almost to the size of drupa yeah and then there was obviously because the industry was bigger there was also a whole set of events and touch points and stuff throughout the year yeah that meant that networking was literally like you know every day of the week almost 
that significantly started to change as our industry changed and moved and contracted. So the kind of consequence of that is that we identified in addition to things like events like the print show to supplier open houses and so forth, there needed to be repeated platforms throughout the year where we could bring together different segments of the industry so that they can meet face to face and find, create new connections and break out of that sort of digital bubble. So our networking lunch, the big breakfast, virtual networking event, our conference, our end of year gala dinner, when human beings talk, when they interact, they will find out things that they didn't know existed. They may assume yeah. they knew what was going on, but by actually talking, creating that human connection, they will find out opportunities between each other um, and be able to to sort of um, take those forward. Yeah, I, I think you're right. It, it's, there's an importance of, of networking, physical networking, because like I say, you know, it has changed. Um, that landscape has changed massively over the past four or five years. And, and it's so much easier now to connect to people online and, and have, have conversations and things. But it, it, there's always that's productive and can be productive, but it's it's missing the connection sometimes, I think. And I was listening to a, a podcast or it might be an audio book, um, but they were talking about when we're online and, and it, you've got webcams on and stuff like that. Yes, it helps. You can see each other and stuff. But because of the slight delay, it trips up the human mind. And so this is often why when we're on online conferences and stuff that lots of people kind of miss time and, and, and over talk each other and, and, and you kind of interject at the wrong time and stuff. But also, it, I think a big part of it, the same was to do with eye contact in that when you're looking to start down a little camera, our, our eye connection is, in, is out by a, a couple of seconds as well uh, or milliseconds. And it's all of that, you know, that old phrase of kind of seeing the whites of people's eyes and stuff like that. And does make such a difference when you're in a room with someone in your conversation and how you connect and how ideas can can generate I think um more so when when you're physically in a room and I think it's about trying to get the balance isn't it of like yeah it can be productive sometimes to have a an online meet and, and progress things and you know like for example today we're recording this online which has helped to massively speed that process up to find time to do it but then th there is a real need for, for physical networking and getting in a room together with, with like-minded people, people from the, the same industry and all the rest of, that you want to talk to. And I think th there is a, a definite importance for that because out of that, I guess it comes community, doesn't it? Indeed. Yeah. And it's it's also with all the networking events and everything we do, there's a real focus as well on bringing in businesses, personalities, people with talents mm. from outside of our industry mm. or see mm. themselves as outside of our industry to bring them in, to showcase our industry, to educate them. Because mm. our sector has a fantastic story to tell about yeah. creativity, about innovation, about technological advancement. But we really because we were the means of communication print yeah we were so ubiquitous it was like turning the lights on or turning a tap on and water coming out it was so ubiquitous we haven't developed the skills that other sectors have in terms of marketing themselves you know if you were a digital startup in the early 90s or mid 90s you had mm. to know how to market the absolute 
living hell out of yourself to mm. get people to buy into your product. Mm. Whether it was, you know, the first ride sharing apps or um, the first messaging apps and so forth. So they came from an environment where they had no market share and no knowledge about their sector or technology whatsoever. And they had to fight their way up. Yeah. Now, we did that in the you know 1500s. So by the time you get round to the millennium, we're you know we're all the way up high, and we sort of don't need those skills because we're so dominant. Mm. Now we do, and it's re-educating people about print and making sure they're aware. But on the kind of idea of community, that's also really important because, as you mentioned, digital tools are there to enhance what we do as human beings yeah and they do that tremendously yeah for instance people go to a physical networking event the ease through which now if they've forgotten someone's name or um they didn't quite catch their details or they never business card they can just jump onto linkedin now and do an instant connection yeah and they're connected on linkedin and can see each other's lives and business work and everything else that's an incredible tool but the tool that needs to build off of in some cases, a human interaction. And one of the things that, you know, not just at our events, but at a lot of industry events is, um, but, you know, I can only speak about the, the feedback from ours, is we really have gone some lengths to create an environment that people feel safe in. Yeah. They feel relaxed in. And we do that very purposefully with the food we put on and the environment and the you know, the, the way we shape the atmosphere, mm. whoever is the master of ceremonies for that event is making people feel welcome. And and what it yeah. does, it really relaxes people and sets them at their ease. And when people it definitely do, does, I, I can I can speak as, as an attendee to these events. So you, you definitely get the right uh, level there. And, and you're right. You do feel very safe. Yeah. And it's I mean, it's not. And then the other side of it is, is keeping a kind of momentum and a control in the room yeah. in which it's not getting you know it doesn't get out of hand it's it's, mm. it's always professional but mm. people kind of just feel like they're in a very productive environment and when people are relaxed and they're with each other and as you mentioned they can actually read each other's body language because yeah. a lot of people you know your average person may say oh i'm not empathetic but people don't realize that just instinctually as human beings, when we're in each other's presence, there's huge amounts of, of processing going on, which we don't even consciously realize is happening. We're reading the other person's body language. Literally, the, the sort of chemicals that that person is letting off will be telling us how they're feeling. And whether you consciously realize that or not, it's just a scientific fact. We are always mm. each other in a physical. It's environment. kind of second nature to us, isn't it? We do, it, it happens and we, we don't realize it's happening. Some people are perhaps more in touch with, with it. Yeah, it is. It, it, it's something that just is, a, and, is what we do. And by consequence, you, you know, you'd realize a lot of salespeople are naturally highly empathetic. Whether they use that for good or for ill, I don't know. But they a lot of salespeople naturally are very good at reading body language because by reading someone else's body language, by being able to tune into how they're feeling and how the conversation's going, they can respond accordingly to make someone feel safe and at their ease and productive so yeah so that's a that's a really positive thing and from the kind of result of that is creating a community feeling that is open so it's not saying mm. we're a closed club 
this is our little club and we're going to defend it. It's creating mm. a feeling of community where, as you say, we show a real passion for our industry. People know that when they come, they're going to meet interesting, different people that they've never met before. They can make new connections. Yeah. They can develop new business, learn new things. And yeah, it, it's creating a, a community where our industry, because our industry is proud of itself. The mm. vast majority of people who work in print feel proud to be in the print industry. And it's kind of tapping into that and ensuring that people, yeah, can, can be as productive as possible, really. Yeah, I've got to say, I think that, that yeah, you, you hit the nail there, the, the, the community and how we are as humans and that, with that empathy, that natural empathy. And as humans, we are designed for connection. You know, it's, it's, it's a big part of, of social connection and community to have that kind of your your tribe if you will yeah. is, is a big part of of well-being personal well-being but also that applies the same in business you know it's real people and, and we need that to help us in in personal lives but also also in business and i i do find that i'd say every time I attend an ipi event whether that be the the you know the, the networkings or the big breakfast um uh, online event that you do as well it's it's great because you said about how it's it's open, and I think clear evidence of that is 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 that you sit I see regular people people that are, and and that's you keep on building on on them relationships. But every time I always speak to new people, and that if it wasn't open, then it would just be the same people all the time, and, and that's where you know sometimes get the communities where there's that click and it feels a bit closed. So uh, you, you certainly at the IPAA set the standard there very high in terms of of being able to create that environment where it, it, you've got this open community and people can can connect and, and to the point where you know it's it's quite interesting that when I'm personally been at the IPAA events, it, there's out, some of our competitors are in the room. I always have really good conversations and feel like, you know, with, with our competitors, it, and it feels perfectly natural, you know, it, whereas sometimes when we've been at other events, like bigger exhibitions and stuff, and maybe it's because of the size of it and things like that, but you, you might at best say hi and just a quick hello, how are you doing sort of things. But the IPAA, we, we always find time to kind of talk to each other and compare notes to a degree and, and, and you know and feel it feels very safe and very open to, to kind of to have them conversations similar and I, I get the, the sense that it's similar for all, all the other people that are there you know as you know lots of printers there and suppliers different suppliers to the industry and stuff and, and they're competing against each other but everyone's quite open and how, how do you go about it yeah what's the secret <laughs> well I think it's just you know a lot of events have competitiveness built into them from the outset. Yeah. You know, who's got the biggest stand at a trade show and everyone's sort of comparing yeah. them and feeling yeah. there's a bit of a feeding frenzy. Obviously, if it's supplier events, then, you know, you've got one supplier, it could be at their premises and so forth. But I suppose we have the privilege at the IPA of being able to create a, as the name sounds, independent platform. Mm that's neutral it's like almost like a peace zone where a lot of competitors can come into the same room maybe mm. they're eating and so forth but again it's creating the right atmosphere right from the first email we do mm. announce an event's happening or social media all the way through to the way that the guests are welcomed 
to the fact that say it's an exhibition style event where like at the end of the year you know where we do a, a sort of we've got about 24 exhibitors and a networking lunch every single yeah. person there is given the same so mm. same stand size the same marketing the same sponsorship opportunities all of the stands are in alphabetical order so yeah. what it does is it just takes away that sort of aggressive competitive element and it says look and we try to reinforce the message that the industry and our market is not big enough anymore for people to go to war. It's just not. You know, there there is enough work there for everyone who's here to have a piece of the pie and to work yeah. together. And creating that neutral environment where all of the print businesses, the print management, the agencies, designers and brands that come to our events are also then incentivized strongly to go around all the stands. Yeah. with different campaigns and competitions we do so everyone feels like it's just equal so it removes that that competitive element and then what it does is that who knows how challenging your situation is better than your competitor mm. mm. no, no one no one really understands the situation you're in better than someone else who's in the same market selling similar products to the yeah. same to the same consumer base um, it comes back to that empathy thing again, isn't it, Brandon? That you know that they're probably the best people you can empathise with the, the challenges that you face, and you know, and the and the successes as well, and 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 everything that that goes with that. Indeed, and it's you know, obviously on Monday you're going to be competing for customers and so on yeah. and so forth. But I think it's it's the idea that you know, um, I can't remember where I read this, but that the market is the enemy not each other mm. you know the the overall environment is who we are trying to fight against we shouldn't if we fight each other all it does is actually reduce both of yours time and capacity to develop better products mm. and mm. customers and so forth so mm. yeah um, and you know i've actually seen it at events where you know because everyone's slightly different maybe a print business is speaking to one of our exhibitors yeah and their specific requirements just aren't right you know yeah. they don't have a product that can easily fit what they need yeah that person knows that another exhibitor four rows along which maybe on the face of it is a competitor yeah has the perfect product for them yeah for that specific scenario now i've literally seen this time and again where they will take them up to a competitor and introduce them and say hey look if you were doing a project that was a b and c we'd be able to yeah. to absolutely smash it for you but because yeah. it's D and F, these guys over here are actually better at doing that and they yeah. can help you and we wouldn't be able to support you as well. But by the way, if you ever need A, B and C, come over to us. And I've seen the opposite then true, where someone has gone up to that competitor stand and said, we need A, B and C, and they're straight over to introduce them back. Mm. So it's this idea of trying to just break down a little bit about this. You know, there are obviously areas where you can't work together, where you are going to compete. But there are also a lot of areas where if competitors on the, the face of it just collaborate, talk and understand each other, there's actually a lot more collaboration that can go on than they realize. That can yeah, absolutely. And instead of them trying to beat beat the snot out of each other for to see who wins, it's saying, mm. well, why don't we all just both have maybe one of us will win, maybe the other will win, but one of us will definitely lose if we go hell yeah. for leather. So if we just work together and see where the market level is and and you know we can both have a piece of the pie 
know. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I know from from my own personal experience that you know that, that we we have had inquiries sometimes that it's just it, you know we're we're not quite the right fit for that that company maybe the size of them or their their, their requirements or, or something. It, it, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes you just know that we we're, we're not the right fit maybe maybe budget wise or something like that so so we can we will quite often say well actually you know we're happy to explore this with you and we want to help you with your research but have you considered exploring this this company as well which which like I say could well be a competitor and i think in our position as well because we do lots of integrations we we, we are we've become quite knowledgeable about lots of other solutions and options out there and, and and piecing them together and like I say sometimes you say well actually this isn't something that we can help you with but I know that that company over there can help you and, and that, that company over there and I, I like what you said there about you know competition and, and there's not room in the market anymore to be kind of that you know, battle against each other or anything like that and and, and for a long time I, I mean my role is officially I'm a salesperson but I always see myself as a my role is just to is to facilitate somebody with, with their research and, and Carson is that's very much our ethos I guess really is we're there to help somebody with the research and, and provide them with the information that they need to then make decisions and quite often we'll get asked as part of the process to so say well, well you know or an assumption that we know our competitors products and the, the pros and cons of, of them and things but actual reality is we don't often get to see our competitors' products. So so we don't know all the developments and, and things. And I think that for me, for many years, and I say it's, a, it's something I've indoctrinated from the culture of Tharson, but is we don't worry about what our competitors are doing too much. We don't we don't give much headspace to that. We, we instead, we, we, we focus on what do we do? what do we do what can we deliver and you know when i get often asked that question saying what's better about you than the other competitor or, or, or that we're considering my answer will often be well actually i can oh i can tell you what we do and what our focus is and where we're going and and i can give you all that information your best place to get the, the information about the other product is probably by having a, that conversation with them as well and then you can make your unbiased judgment but it's kind of if you know your why if you know what your purpose and, and, and your mission and your why is then I don't think you need to worry about competition yeah exactly and it it's also that you what you just touched on is at least within our membership businesses that I see are growing that are diversifying are creating communities with their customers as well mm, mm. both from suppliers but also let's just talk about the print businesses themselves so you know we've got two or three key members clark print dayfold claremont who really go to some great lengths to create events or campaigns and so forth that bring their customers in and Clark Print is a good example where they have an yeah. inspiration room and yeah. it's really filled with swatch books, creative ideas, the most exotic, inventive, ingenious, personalized print and products that have a lot of great ideas. And they bring in creatives, designers, agencies from around their area uh, and beyond yeah. 
to just not just hard sell, but just to show them what's possible, to show them around the factory, to explain how the print process works and saying, look, this is what's possible for you to do with your clients or your next design project. And just educating them, you know, give them some nice food and again, create a community, create a relaxed environment where this customer buyer relationship is no longer transactional. It becomes emotional. You know, it's it's the reason that people want to, you know, buy a Ferrari or whatever. It's not about the transaction really of what it does or it's zero to 60 speed. It's it's about the emotion it gives them in dealing with that company or what it says about them. And and you've then got plant print building up a customer base of people that want to deal with them because they're able to give them creative inspiration or ideas and so forth. And you know, Claremont, they do a Christmas campaign, which recently came out where they do this massive personalized Christmas hamper box to their customers. And again, it's just little things like that, which can just remove that transactional thing and and make it more of a community. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely And and it's a great idea for for businesses to think about of how can I create a community with, with my customer base because that 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 i think can be really powerful for for a business uh, you know and, and we, we can see it, it's important to be as a as a print packaging business to be to be part of a, a community with your ears and you know in, in the us that they're, they're really kind of lead the way on this i think sometimes in that they they have every state kind of every area has peer groups that print businesses will become members of and they they sit around the table and openly share like you know with, with their competitors with 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 fellow businesses openly share that and discuss the challenges they're facing and you know things that they want to do and how do they go about doing and, and kind of they all kind of help each other out and, and i'm seeing more of that coming into the uk market as well but um i think if you can so it is important to be part of, of a community with your part of that tribe you can learn a lot from it you can you can really excel your business and, and your own personal development but but it's a, it's taking that principle and going well actually how can i do this for my customer base as well and i, I think it's 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 a great way forward yeah and i i one of my most rewarding moments when we have our events is when I knew, I know that a new print business has come in, maybe they're not even an IPA member. And when they first come in, their kind of hackles are a little bit up. They're a bit shy and timid. They're not quite sure at the start of the day. And through the environment and realizing they can talk to loads of other printers. And then when they yeah. start having those engagements, how open those other print businesses are with them and how trusting. By the end of the day, you see them roaring with laughter, walking around confidently, chatting to people. And then the feedback you get is, wow, that was fantastic. Mm. I got to speak to 10 of my competitors, in, in quoted marks, who they realized are actually jolly nice people, are yeah. in exactly the same boat that they're in. And they've been able to yeah. share their woes, their challenges, where they're finding opportunity. And people are willing to help each other, you know. Yeah, definitely. You realise that we are all just people, nice people. We're all, all working with the best intention, and all. all um, I, th- I think that is very true. For for a lot of people, yes, of course, there are people just running businesses because it's a business. But for a lot of print businesses, this is a vocation. It's like you mm. know, they'd have been in it since the boards, or it's their family business, or 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 whatever. But it really is a vocation more than a job. And there is that if we can tap into that and promote that more, it's only for the good, I think.
Yeah. Yeah, definitely, Brendan. And um, I, I think um, it allows you to have fun along the way. You know, <laughs> like I said, we're running businesses. We're part of businesses. We're, it, this brings a fun element to it as well. And it's good to have fun along the way as well, isn't it? And and to, to have a bit of social element to it, a bit of a bit of wind down time as well and, and think, that's an, an, another part and probably an important reason why people should attend events and, and invest the time to, to do that. Because I don't think I've ever been to an event where I've not walked away with extra contacts, learning new things and, and having had a, a, a good time as well. You don't have to be outgoing and, and a, an extrovert to, to do that. You know, it, it's... Um, you can still go and I think you can observe and, and be part of something and still get all of that out of it. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's another reason, for instance, at our end of year event, we have our awards scheme, Recognising Excellence Awards. I was just about to mention that. It's one, it's one of my favourite events. Yeah. 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 And it, again, it's all of the members nominate other members for the awards. You can't nominate. Yeah, that's what we love about it. Yeah. It, it requires another member to nominate you for an award mm. and then once the nominations are done, they're written up and put out and members then vote independently, mm. one member, one vote per member for who they feel should win that award. Yeah. And so it's crowdsourced as to who feels they you know, should get that recognition. But it's not it's less about awards thing where like we've won, you've lost. It's it's about just recognizing, oh, wow, this company is actually doing something incredible in this yeah. area. And adding to that sense of community and just just trying to pat ourselves a bit on the you know pat ourselves on peer the back. recognition it's it's yeah. true peer rec- recognition isn't it um, and I, I think that that's it comes with a higher value um, when when you get that definitely yeah well Brandon I, I feel like there's loads of things we could um, talk yeah. about and um, uh, but I'm always conscious of, of of time so before we do wrap up obviously you've got a lot of experience in the industry and. I'm always uh, keen to hear what's what's your thoughts on on, on the future of the industry. Where, where do you see how, how do you see it change? Where do you, where do you see it going? Yeah, so I think the the first the, the industry itself really came to a crossroads. I would say mm. about 20, 20 years ago. Yeah. Some people, some businesses in the sector, even some suppliers, their viewpoint is that the that shape of the industry, the way the supply chain worked, you've got a commercial printer over here, a label printer over there, a wide format printer over there, mm-hmm. print management agency, mm-hmm. over there, design agency, a marketing agency, and they all had their roles and specific sort of, you know, lines of how they, they worked. That has completely revolutionized and changed now. Um, and the kind of metaphor that I like to use is that the industry as it was probably the last time recognizably about 20 years ago is like a watering hole where if you're trying to just stick to that and somehow mine more out of that it's like the animals on the savannah at a watering hole that shrunk and shrunk and shrunk and their their whole approach has just been to try and push the others out the way to stay at the watering hole and get that last and if they just lifted their heads up and looked over they'd realize there's a bloody river 10 minutes 10 meters away (laughs) you know and and I've seen, you know, there's a lot of sort of down talk about the sector. But it, if you just lift your head up and look, there is so much fantastic growth going on. And print businesses that used to maybe be in a single sector 
diversifying, growing and changing. And you see that at the big trade shows, you see that at our events where the technology that's come along allows them to diversify. A print business has incredible talent, creative knowledge of production, sales cycle, understanding of how to go out to customers, to consult, looking after customers. What they're selling and how they're delivering it for their customers, what, what their customers want really is a physical iteration of their brand, of yeah. their marketing message, of their communication. Yeah. How you fulfill that is secondary. That's just, that's just you know, our, our, we don't sell ink on paper. We don't sell print. We sell the delivery method of that vision, whatever it is for the customer. So I think that, and I'm seeing this already, you've got jobbing print businesses that you've really gone down to having a very small core of niche kit for doing specialist jobs or super short turnaround jobs or something. But really, they've become small marketing agencies. They offer web design. They offer social media consultancy. The customer doesn't know that they don't have a massive print room in the back now. They're using trade suppliers, either regionally, locally or nationally, for when a customer wants a specific job to market that back out. But they're making money now on the design, the consultation, the creative. So you've got this explosion of SME businesses that were shrinking previously because they're trying to make money out of selling ink on paper to now selling ideas and selling services and then linking them back out to print. Then you've got the sort of medium size of our market where consolidation has happened, but trade print has become the big thing where everyone is starting to have their niche and their specialism to work with agencies, designers and smaller printers. Yeah, yeah. And then on top, you've got the really big trade houses that you buy on spec. It's a specific product. You can get it very cheap at a trade rate. Someone like Blue Tree Group or Solo Press or Trade Print, um, for instance. And I think the industry will continue to evolve. But printers are diversifying into labeling, into small format packaging, into wide format more and more. So the future is bright. I think that the common denominator is just or my advice would be stop trying to muscle at the waterhole for what your markets used to be and just look up and realize that there is a lot of growth that can utilize your skills utilize the technology you have the human talent you have and go and pursue that growth rather than trying to fight for for what was there before very good very good advice i think and definitely some some good points to take away there it's it actually it's quite interesting this week we've got our inspire event and um We've got a panel discussion and the key topic of that is is diversification which is is a thing that you've just picked up on there yeah definitely yeah it is it is so important and you know the last thing i just urge is anyone listening to this podcast if you are a print business of any shape or form go and speak to your suppliers come and speak yeah. to an association it doesn't have to be us it could be another yeah. association you belong to go and ask for advice just have a chat and say, yeah. where are you seeing growth, Mr. Supplier? Ooh, yeah. Where are your customers being successful? Educate me. We're a customer mm. already. Help me understand yeah. where is the growth? Where can I go? And what can yeah. I be successful? Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, and definitely and think about, you know, like I say, how, how you can build your own community with your own customers. And if, if you took them two angles, you, you, you're going to excel your business forward. Brendan. Thank you very much for your time today. It's been really fascinating talking to you. And it was good to see you again. So thank you for joining us. 
so yeah we'll, we'll make sure we put all your contact details and uh, everything in, in the show notes so people can uh, uh, get in touch if, if you have any questions for yourself but yeah so so that's it for today's episode of the inspire podcast big thank you to brendan for joining me today it was uh, was definitely great chatting to you about about networking community and and everything that goes with it so uh, thanks for listening and please join us again for the next episode thanks very much You've been listening to the Inkspire podcast from Tharstern. If you have any questions about today's show or you're interested in being a guest, head over to our website and let us know. And don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Until then, thanks for listening.